This is the Business and Couples Podcast with Shari and Andre. Shari and Andre will share with you what it takes for couplepreneurs to thrive in their business and in their relationship. They address those challenges that are unique for couples who are in business together. Shari and Andre have been a couplepreneur since 2002 and know firsthand about the challenges couples in business face. And now, Shari and Andre. Hi, and welcome to this episode of Business and Couples Podcast with Sherry and Andre. And on this episode, we're going to be listening in to a webinar that Sherry and I did just recently. And this webinar is about the roadblocks that keep your business from thriving. So as you listen to this webinar, take notes about your business and how you and your partner can eliminate these roadblocks that stand in the way to your business thriving, and as well, keep your relationship from thriving. So enjoy, and we will see you on the next episode of Business and Couples Podcast. So when we talk about thriving in business, there are four elements of your business that you want to look at, because these four elements are going to allow your business to thrive if you are effective in using them. The first is strategy. And strategy has to do with planning. Part of it is strategic planning. And then there's also the other planning that's associated with how do we set goals and objectives for what we want to accomplish. So that's the first area, strategy. The second area is implementation. And in implementation, we're talking about implementation across a broad spectrum of things. There's implementation of marketing and sales systems. There's implementation of standard operating procedures. There's implementation of processes. There's implementation of human resources kind of thing. So so all of these systems, if you will, need to be implemented in your business. And the third thing is money, like forecasting. What am I doing in terms of my budget? Am I managing and operating my business based on a budget? What about funding? Is funding needed in order to allow me to take my business to the next level? What about you know having my inventory? All of these things have to do with money. So it's the finances that are associated with the business that will allow your business to thrive if you have that well plan and well strategized. And then also there's the people piece. Of course, you know, everybody knows that the people make the business go. And even if it's just you and your partner in business together, you are the people of the business. So it's like, well, what about the engagement that we have? And we're going to be talking about some of those things, you know, and if you have a team or employees, well, does the team work together? Is the team engaged both mentally and emotionally with what we're up to accomplishing. What about our hiring? What about, we call it right fit, you know, getting the right fit, getting the right person in the right job, doing the right thing. So these are the four elements of your business that you want to be looking at in order to have it thrive. Now we use what we call a thrive journey assessment, which analyzes or assesses all of these four areas at a very, very deep level. And when you come away from that Thrive assessment, you know exactly what you are, at least where you are, because you know you can't figure out where you're going if you don't know exactly where you are. So it tells you exactly where you are, and then you have the ability to figure out where you want to go. And so 
the, th the next thing is, well, how would you use these elements in your business? Well, first of all, it, it assesses the readiness of your business to scale. We, we often refer to it as the maturity of the business. And it doesn't have anything to do with age. You know, even in real life, you know, uh, everyday life, you have a 14-year-old and you say, well, that 14-year-old is very mature. They can take on more stuff because they're mature. And it has nothing to do with their age. It has to do with who they are in terms of their maturity. Well, the same thing in your business. You know, what is the maturity of your business, the readiness of your business to scale? So we have to assess that. And then we have to develop data-driven strategies so that we're not developing strategies, you know, we call it in Tennessee, just pluck from air, called PFA. No, we want to develop strategies that are based on the data that tells us what we need to be doing at this particular time to take our business to the next level. And then, of course, we need to execute through a structured process. So a structured process is different than a haphazard process. And so a structured process allows you to know exactly what's next, what are you doing. So like when you get out of bed in the morning, you and your partner, you know exactly what to do that day to, and what to execute on that day to take your business to the next level. So these, this is how you use the elements. But you know, it's it's not just about these four elements because we could assess these four elements and we do that. And then we also look at how to use these elements. Uh, and we do that with you through our business coaching and consulting process. But there's also foundational things that have to be in place even before you can really make use of these four areas in your business, I'm talking about the strategy, implementation, the money, and the people, before you can use those things, there have to be some foundational elements in place. It's kind of like, you know, uh, as the old saying goes, you don't want to put icing on a mud pie. And so there are there's foundational elements that have to be in place in order to have your business thrive using these areas. And so that's what we're going to get into next is this place to start the foundation. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, we talk about your business, it's, uh, is there a solid foundation? And these are the three items that we're gonna be going over today is what are, what are the things to have the solid foundation so that you can build upon it and create a business that's thriving. So the first is communication. The second is having values, and the third is purpose. And we're going to take a, a relatively deep dive into these three areas. So let's look at what is the roadblock when we have communicate. Uh, how can I say that? I can't communicate today. Communication breakdowns. One of the roadblocks in communication breakdowns is having behaviors that are different than your partner's and different in the company, but we're talking about couplepreneurs right now. And when I say behaviors doing differently, you know, Andre and I have about as different behavior styles as you can get. I love to jump into things. I, I love to um, uh, think out loud. That's how I think best. And Andre, you know, what your behavior, how, how you know, just share what that is in comparison. 
Well, I'm more of a, you know, a step-by-step person, you know, let's, you know, like, for example, we got a box in the mail that's on something to put together. Sharia just jump in. I'll be saying, okay, let's take out the instructions and read the instructions and go step-by-step. Yeah. And, and that's where you'll start having communication breakdowns because my behavior is one way, which can definitely cause friction when I want to just jump in and do something and he wants to do it his way. Also, there communication breakdowns happen from misunderstandings. So, for instance, when you say something, something different is heard. And that may not happen in, 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 with you and your partner. And let me tell you, it happens a lot. And then we have communication breakdowns from different expectations. And what I mean by that is, let's say I say I'm, I'm going to do something and your partner hears that you're going to do something but has a different impression or interpretation about what you say you're going to do. Those differing uh, expectations cause communication breakdowns. So like I say A, but was ex- expecting B. So and- we want to give a definition of what communication is just like that. So we're all working off the same premise. Yeah. You know, it's interesting when we talk about communication, because in the 6,000 years of recorded human history, we have yet to get the communication thing down pat. So when we talk about communication, what really is communication? Well, communication is the exchange of ideas. We're asking, well, Andre, what do you mean by the exchange of ideas? Well, what I mean by that is that in communication, you have a sender and you have a receiver. And in order for there to be communication, the receiver of the communication has to get it the same way that the sender meant for it to be gotten. Because that's the only way that you can have an exchange of ideas. So when you look at that happening, because if that doesn't happen, if there is no exchange of ideas, then that's what we call miscommunication. And so what could cause miscommunication? Well, there's so many things that go into communication when you stop and think about it. There's the words that we use, right, in communication. And then there's the tone in which those words are used. You know, I use the example all the time of, of this, this statement. I didn't say you stole the money. Well, if I put the emphasis on any of those words, it completely changes the meaning of that sentence. I didn't say you stole the money. I didn't say you stole the money. I didn't say you stole the money. And you see, it it completely changes based on how the emphasis or the tone is on either of those words. So you can see, of course, like in an email, we, we think of, you know, communication, email or something like that. But, you know, as couplepreneurs, sometimes we look at the words and we attach the tone ourselves to those words. So have you ever said to your partner, you're yelling at me and your partner really isn't yelling at you, but you heard it as yelling at you. So, so, you know, that has that that's going to what? allow for a different interpretation of the communication so and not have an exchange of ideas. 
So let's look at some blind spots then that could happen with communication because if you get nothing else out of this webinar, if you take away an understanding of these five conversational blind spots, then it is going to make a difference in how you communicate not only with your partner as a couplepreneur, but also with your team, if you have one, with your customers and clients, and also with your vendors. And all of those conversations are very, very important in order for your business to thrive. So these five conversational blind spots, the first one is assuming my partner thinks like me. Now, the reason why I call this a blind spot, let me just clarify what I mean by a blind spot. A blind spot is something that's hidden from view. So you could be saying, well, you know, I don't assume my partner thinks like me. Well, I'm actually challenging you to look at that because it could be a blind spot. And in order to really see it, it has to move from something that's a blind spot into your view. It's kind of like when you're driving your car and you want to change lanes. Well, there's a blind spot you know, of your mirrors. You don't see everything. So you kind of have to look around just to check your blind spot before you change lanes. Now, if a car is in your blind spot, you wouldn't see it if you didn't turn around to actually view it. So that's what I'm asking you to do is to actually look at your blind spot or your potential blind spot so that you can see something or discover something, maybe even a better word, that you haven't seen before. So this first one is the assumption that my partner thinks like me. And it has to do a lot with you know, because I'm right. <laughs> and you, you sometimes you may have asked, well, why aren't you seeing that? <laughs> you know, and just consider that everyone does not think like you and it could be a blind spot and you can see the negative impact that, that's, that that's, this is going to have on communication if you don't discover and then address this blind spot. And then the next blind spot is feelings don't change my reality. And the blind spot is because they really do. If you are, you know, say, for example, in a fearful situation or a highly emotional situation in a conversation with your partner or with your team, it is going to change your reality. And the reason why it is, and it's not like a fault of yours or like your fault or anything like that. It's just the way we're wired as human beings. We're wired as human beings that when something is threatening or we're in a high emotional state, we're in the what we call the primal part of the brain. We're not going to get too much into neuroscience uh, here, but we're just going to mention that in the primal part of the brain, that's a default. And so your reality is altered naturally. You don't have to do anything, okay? You, the, you, your reality is altered and you might not be seeing what really is there. So if you have the blind spot, feelings don't change my reality. If you have that blind spot, this is something you want to begin to distinguish because then you can take action and move your thinking from your primal brain to your prefrontal cortex, which is then going to open up a whole creativity piece that will allow you to have better communication. The next blind spot is I can still empathize while I'm in fear. Well, just similar to the to the other one, it is you can't be in someone else's shoes 
if you're in a state of fear or if you feel threatened or you feel like someone you know is attacking you so when you feel like your partner is attacking you or is not you know getting you then you have a difficult or there's more of a difficult time to actually be over there with them seeing things through their eyes and so what you want to do here again is distinguishing well what who, who am I being in this state? Am I being fearful? Am I being emotionally charged? Am I being angry? You see? And so then if you can distinguish that, then you can kind of move that out of the way if you choose to do so. And then that will allow you to be over there with your partner. The next blind spot is, I remember, therefore I know. So consider that, when other people are talking uh, to you, you are recording something. Consider that it's not what they're saying, it's what you're saying about what they're saying. And so when you say, I remember, therefore I know, you're actually remembering what you are saying about what they are saying. And so what, what can happen then is you come back and say, well, you said this, you're right. Hey, no, I didn't say that. Your partner's going, no, I didn't say that. That's I said the complete opposite of that. However, that's what you remember. So you can see how this blind spot can really cause, like in terms of a foundational roadblock, like this, this would be in, in terms of impairing communication. And then the final blind spot is, I am listening, so I actually know what you really mean. Now, Consider that this is very similar to the one before is that you are listening to yourself talk about what the other person is saying. Now, a lot of research has been done on this, and the research shows that in a conversation, whether you're having it with your partner or with someone else in the business, when you have a conversation with someone, that you go in and out of the conversation because you begin to think about what they're saying. And so how many times have you been in a conversation and you begin to think about, oh, well, let me, I got this, you know, you get interrupted in the conversation. So, so you don't know what is really meant. What you really know is what you mean <laughs> by what they're saying. So these five conversational blind spots, if you can make note of these and really work on these to distinguish, like bring them from a blind spot into view so you can see them for what they really are. It's going to make a difference in your communication. Okay. So what we want to do then is co-create conversations. So, and, and so let's just break this down. First of all, when we talk about create conversations, that means that a creation is something new. It, had, it hadn't existed before. And so we're talking about creating conversations newly each time. And the cold means that you're creating these conversations together, you and your partner. Okay. And so you think about some of the conversations or at least the dialogue sometimes that we have. And see if you've, if you've ever had this one. You walk into a room and you say, hey, how you doing? And the other person goes, Fine. How are you doing? Well, that's not really a creative conversation. That's like a, a routine, automatic conversation that you have. And here's the funny part. Have you ever caught yourself like going through it twice? 
Hey, how you doing? Fine. How are you doing? I'm doing fine. How are you doing? I'm doing fine. How are you doing? You kind of get in a loop, right? Okay. So that's not a creative conversation. That is, that is, you know, sometimes referred to as a reoccurring dialogue. Okay. So we want to co-create conversations, like come to every conversation newly. And the way to do that, the first thing is to suspend assumptions. So you had a conversation about this yesterday. And so suspend all of the assumptions that you made yesterday and bring something or create a new conversation today. As a matter of fact, Sherry and I experienced that just this afternoon as we were you know, getting ready for our webinar. We had a conversation yesterday about it. You know, I said, well, we had that conversation yesterday. So why do we need to have a conversation again today? And so I was like, you know, not a suspending assumptions. I was like living in yesterday, right? And the whole thing is that to begin to distinguish these things where you're not suspending uh, assumptions, and then that way you can work through things with your with your partner. And then, of course, the, the big thing is to give up being right. And we as human beings have a natural, it, it's built in, it's how we're wired. We want to be right. I bet you if you think about the 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 worst fight you got in with your with your partner and if it's been some time ago, say longer than 10 years or something like that, because, you know, Sherry and I, we've been together uh, for uh, how long have we been together, Sherry? 21 years? <laughs> 21 plus years. Beautiful okay. years. All right. 21, she says 21 beautiful years. She's very kind. OK, so we've been together 21 years and, and we, were, we were actually talking about this the other night. Is we were saying, well, you know, we've we've had some really really good ones, you know, uh, three really really good ones, and I couldn't even remember what what wait, it was wait, about. Wait, 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 good ones. They well, it was only had three good years. No, 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 no. <laughs> no, we had we had we had we've had uh, twenty one good years, but we've had three big fights. So like three really really big fights, and I couldn't even remember what they were about. You know. And I was thinking to myself, though, even though I couldn't remember what they were about, I know I was right about it, though. <laughs> so, so, so we need to give up, though, this whole thing about being right, right? And so that's one of the things to, to, to really look at is because it takes a conscious effort to do that. And then the last thing is to acknowledge that all viewpoints are valid. And when your partner has a viewpoint, if you will start from the premise that the viewpoint is valid and acknowledge that, then it's going to make a difference in the communication and the receptivity, both when you are the sender of communication and then also when you are the receiver of communication. So when we think about uh, communication, it is, it's just a big roadblock if we don't implement some of these things that we talk about. And we spend, you know, whole day workshops working with couples and entrepreneurs and their teams on communication. So, but we're going to have to move on to the next roadblock because uh, we'll, our time is fast moving away. Okay. So let's get to the next roadblock. Jay. Yeah. And communication is that you can see why that's a foundational item. The next foundational item and, and, and causes roadblock are the lack of having shared values. And you know, what causes that, that, that roadblock is when we all have values, but there may not be clearly defined or even spoken about. It's just something that's in the back of our, our mind and we almost take it as, as assumed that 
the values are the same and everyone shares those values, but we've already learned that people have different behaviors, they also have different values. And when values are not alive and in our everyday actions, they're not clear, that's what causes the roadblock, which keeps our business and our relationship from thriving. So what are values when we talk about values? This is not like a moral or an integrity type of thing. Values are the guiding principles that we operate from. That um, Values actually help us to make decisions. They, when we have our values articulated and they're, they're clear, it defines our brand. And actually values will galvanize your team and whether you have employees or it's you and your partner, it brings you together when you are working together towards a set of values. And values, since they are guiding principles, they are the thing that is going to shape your culture when you have clear values and people are operating under those values, then the norms and behaviors of, of your organization are going to exude those values. So why is this a roadblock if we don't have values articulated? Well, the first thing when we think about this being a roadblock is that you have inconsistent actions. And when, when remember values, uh, you know, uh, allow you to, to guide things. So without a guide, then you're going to have inconsistent actions. You're going to be all over the board. Well, how do we deal with a customer when this situation happens? Well, how do we deal with them when that situation happens? So we'll have inconsistent actions, both internally and externally. And when we have inconsistent actions, that causes rework. It causes uh, upsets and it, it doesn't provide a great experience for the internal, your employees, or if it's just you and your partner, inconsistent actions can cause what a rift in your business relationship. So inconsistent actions is, is one of the things of this roadblock. The second thing is decision-making is more difficult. When you have a set of values, you can say, well, is it in harmony with our values or is it not in harmony with our values? Okay. And you can start from there and you then move forward. So decision-making is more difficult when you don't have values because, eh, well, maybe we could do that, eh, maybe we couldn't do and but it's not based on anything. And so decision-making becomes more difficult. And then there is an undefined culture. So consider that in your business, you have a culture that exists because a culture, are, it, it's the norms and behaviors of the people in the business. So you have norms and behaviors, whether it's just you and your partner or whether it's you, your partner and a team, you have a culture. So the big question is, is it the culture that you want to have? Because if you don't have values, then you can see how the culture will develop on its own because you are going to have a culture. So what you want to do as a couplepreneur is to drive the culture in your business so that you can have a defined culture. So it's a roadblock when you have an undefined culture. 
So let me share with you our values, and then maybe that will illustrate this, this concept of having values and what they can bring to your business, because we have these same values across all of our businesses. And so the first value that we have is quality in everything we do. And we ask that question in almost all the instances where we're making a, a big decision about something or decided to go and say, well, you know, is this of quality, especially when we're working with clients? Is this a quality that we're bringing with, 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 uh, for this client? So it's quality in everything we do, whether that's something we're doing for ourselves or something we're doing for our customers and clients. The second thing is we place our clients' needs first. And when we think about placing our clients' needs first, it's looking at it from the viewpoint of the client. So it's we're over there with them. That's what this value means for us. And we're viewing things from the client perspective and saying, are we putting their needs first? In fact, there have been many, many times you know, since 2002 that we've actually declined to do work for clients because it wasn't in their best interest to do what they wanted to do. And so rather than be a part of something that was not in their best interest, we have declined simply to do work with uh, you know, potential clients because of that. It wasn't placing their needs first. And then we have a value of continuous improvement. And what we mean by continuous improvement is for ourselves. We are looking to always be on the cutting edge to looking at new things, whether it's around neuroscience or, you know, as Sherry mentioned about, you know, coaching and being the best in the coaching and business consulting professionals uh, that we can possibly be so that we can have quality in everything that we do so that we can place our client needs first. And so this continuous improvement is a very, very important core value for us. And then our last core value is, and we added this core value probably about eight, maybe 10 years ago, but it was after we established the other three core values because we had the three core values for a long time. But then we added this core value and it actually came out, I think, of a conversation we had with a, with a client that said that, wow, we really weren't expecting that or it, this exceeded our expectations. And we said, well, we want to do that all the time. And so we added this as core value that we wow our clients. And so when we're actually working with a client, we sit out and say, well, you know, what's going to wow this client? What, is, what, what can we bring that's going to have them go, whoa, this was really, really great. This was so, so beneficial to us. And so these are our core values. And so you can begin to see how it drives what we do in terms of our decision and decisions and, and how we interact on a daily basis internally and externally. So when we think about creating your core values, this is the first step for you as couplepreneurs to begin to shape your core values and to create your core values. Start with this question. What do we want to be known for? What do we want to be known for? And that's internally for yourselves and your team. And it's also externally. So for yourselves and your team, well, what do we want to be known for for ourselves? Do we want to be known as 
a producer of quality work, quality products and services to our clients? What do we want to be known for externally, for our customers, clients, vendors, referral sources, all the people, stakeholders, all the people that interact with your business? Ask this question, what do we want to be known for? And when you begin to make that list of what you want to be known for, and then you look at, you know, well, you know, what do we actually value in that list? Then you can begin to create your own core values that's going to guide your business, shape the culture of your business, shape the decisions of your business, and it's going to guide how you operate on a day in and day out basis. Okay, so let's move on to the next roadblock, which is lack of purpose. So Sherry, take us through this roadblock. Yeah, so why is lack of purpose a roadblock? You know, we spend most of our waking hours, whether you're a couplepreneur or not, we spend, if you're working, you spend most of your time working on your business or thinking about your business or talking about your business. So when we're in that that world, especially as couplepreneurs, there's not a couplepreneur that we know that doesn't say uh, that their business moves into their personal life. So, you know, when we're active and we're caught up in doing our, uh, you know, the work for the business, we sometimes lose sight of, of the um, reason why we started the business and the excitement and the um, passion we had for our business in the, in the first place. We get caught up in the drudgery of the things that have to get done. When we first started, we were excited about those things, even if it meant you know, self-addressing envelopes and doing all these kind of little things, that was just, that was all part of what you were creating. But as we started getting into it day in and day out, we lose sight of that excitement and passion about the why we got into business and we're into the doing of the business. And when that happens, it depletes all the energy and enthusiasm we have. So we might come home from, from the day of working. And, you know, it's just to think about the things that we have to do at home, it's just such a heaviness. And when that happens, even the things that we need to do at home, like, you know, cooking dinner or speaking to our kids about homework or about going to an event, our energy and everything is depleted because we're just into the doing. And it, it, it impacts our motivation to get up out of bed to get into doing what you want to do. And it, it sometimes could get us a little more cranky. So a lack of purpose really impacts as a roadblock from having your business and your relationship thrive. So then what is purpose? You know, Simon Sinek wrote a book called Start With Why. And so purpose then or for your business the why your company does what it does. You know, we oftentimes will ask uh, clients, you know, why are you in business? And the first thing they might say is, well, we're in business to make a profit. And, you know, and certainly that's a, you know, a valid answer. And consider, though, that the profit that you make in a business is like a score, which is based on how well you do other things, such as bringing value to the marketplace, but then also, too, how effectively 
you bring that value to the marketplace. So you bring value to get revenue and then you operate effectively to, to bring that value at the lowest cost so that you have profit. So profit is really a score of how well you bring value to the marketplace. But when I speak of the why your company does what it does, I'm talking about a deeper thing. And I'm talking about the almost the intrinsic aspect of why you're in business. You know, for, for Sherry and I, you know, our purpose in our business is to have people use their potential to the fullest. And it also fulfills our, you know, individual purpose as well. But the purpose of our, our business, our business coaching and consulting business is to have people maximize their potential. That's the why. And so look at what is the why of your business? Why you do what you do? Now, the purpose guides your company into the future. And I even want to say it, it pulls your company into the future, pulls your business into the future because you are striving to fulfill on the purpose. Because when you have a purpose of something, you are inspired and you are fulfilled in that. So there is a striving after that to have that fulfillment and inspiration be a part of your life. And so it literally pulls your business into the future. And so that's what purpose is. And then also too, it establishes expectations. You know, if you say I am, my purpose is X, this is why we're in business, then everyone on the team can line up behind that purpose because they will see something for themselves just like you see something for yourselves as a couple for newer in your purpose. So senior leaders and your teams, they'll begin to establish expectations around the purpose. And then that will live for individually, that will live inside of a larger purpose for the company. And then externally, your clients, your investors and stakeholders, you know, it becomes a part of your brand when you have your purpose laid out. And let's look at a couple of examples of purpose. Yeah, I think everyone knows these two companies, Whole Foods and PayPal. You know, Whole Foods, their purpose is, our deepest purpose as an organization is helping support the health, well-being, and healing of both people, customers, team members, and business organizations in general, and the planet. So, you know, when you think and you go into Whole Foods, you can really feel that in the in the employees and any of the, the cashiers, the the staff people, you really get that sense uh, with the people and, and the entire place that that really lines up with the purpose. Let's look at PayPal to build the web's most convenient, secure, cost-effective payment solution. So that's what connects everyone that works at PayPal and it goes into their branding. So, you know, creating your shared purpose, how would you start to, how would you do that? We see the benefits of it because it's a roadblock. So let's look into how you would do it. You first, as Andre talked about the why, start with why are you in business? What not why you're in business for yourselves, but what is your business or service providing for 
the people on this planet. And when you really get into the why, the difference that you make in the quality of your of the service or the thing that you provide, it has an impact. So you start with the why to create your, your shared purpose. And, and think about what inspired you when you first started, before this business actually got started, what inspired you to bring this, your business uh, to the marketplace? When you start really take time, this is not something that's gonna come off the top of your head. You wanna sit and keep talking about it. And you may even wanna talk to your, to your customers. What, what impact did our business um, provide to, to you and your and for your business or for your personal life? Now, when you're creating your purpose, you don't want to be overly broad, like this big, um, I want, you know, the purpose of our business is to make a better planet. That, that's, we don't, I mean, it's lofty and it probably is not relatable. And we want the purpose to be both inspirational and aspirational. So it inspires us and it also has us think about something in the future. It's creating, creating a better place, creating something that makes a difference. And when we do it, create the purpose using plain language. Don't try to get all um, like you're, you're writing some, some prose. It's really something that you can, you saw in the examples we gave you, it was clear, it was understandable, and it was relatable. So okay. Andre, we covered a lot. So you want to recap what we went over in, in this this time so far? Yeah, over the last 50 minutes, we've really talked uh, you know, about a lot of different things as it relates to having your business thrive as a couplepreneur and the roadblocks that could stand in the way of your business thriving. We first we talked about those elements to have your business thrive. We talked about the strategy. We talked about the implementation. We talked about the money and also the people. And then we talked about those three things that you have to have in place in order to use those four elements effectively. That you know you want to assess the maturity of the organization, which is the readiness of the uh, business to. Uh, expand or to scale. And then, of course, you want to have uh, strategies you know, in place and, and plans, and you want to implement those through a structured process. And so we talked about how important it is to have those things going and to be analyzing uh, of those things and to implement plans based on data. So the other piece, though, we said was that, well, in order to have that piece work effectively, you have to have some foundational elements. And these roadblocks of these foundational elements will actually keep you from being able to implement those effectively. So it's, you can't go and say, OK, we just want to assess our business and see what we want to do. And while that's important and certainly that needs to be done, that first has to be a foundation to have our, the enriched soil in which to plant those elements in that's going to allow your business to thrive. So we talked about couplepreneur communication, and we talked about those blind spots that inhibit communication. We talked about what communication is. And then we talked about shared values. 
And we talked about how if you don't have shared values, how that is a roadblock to being successful in terms of having your business thrive because the values actually drive the culture of the organizations, makes decision making easier. And then we talked about shared purpose. And, you know, Sherry talked about how de developing your shared purpose, developing your why, and that's what's going to allow you to not only be inspired in the business, you as a, as a couple in business, but also your team. Not only inspired, but also fulfilled. And it literally having that shared purpose literally pulls you into the future.